It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey guys, Gronk here, calling a 30-second hair huddle. When it comes to tackling hair loss, Hims has you covered. From clinically proven regrowth treatments to thickening shampoo and conditioner. Just go to 4 for a free consultation. Then a licensed medical provider can help you with your game plan. If prescribed, Hims ships directly to your door. Get your hair back in the game with Hims. Try today and get a 90-day money-back guarantee at 4 Just go to 4 slash NFL. That's 4 slash NFL. Restrictions apply. See website for full details and important safety information. Napa know-how. There are lots of amazing cars on the road, but perhaps none more amazing than the paid-off car. It may not be pretty, but the price is right. Heck, if you keep that thing running, it'll actually start paying you. Because with Napa Rewards, for every $100 you spend, you'll get $5 off. So keep your car running longer, stronger with Napa Rewards, and watch the savings start rolling in. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. You are Locked On Packers, your daily podcast on the Green Bay Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are Locked On Packers. Hello, this is Bill Huber, the publisher of PackerReport.com, part of the Scout.com network, which brings some of the best NFL and college football coverage that you will find anywhere. And it's Friday, which means behind enemy lines. And today we'll be with Arthur Arkish of Locked On Bears and Pro Football Weekly. But before we get into that, I'd like to remind you to check out the rest of the Locked On Podcast Network, which includes Locked On NFL, Locked On Fantasy, and Locked On Bears. And check out my work over at PackerReport.com, home of the world's best preview. Over at Packer Report, a free story based on yesterday's practice. Devonta Adams called it brutal. Christian Ringo, a uh, self-proclaimed heavy sweater, had his jersey freeze on the practice field. So that's over at PackerReport.com. It was about 5 degrees for practice yesterday. The forecast for um, Sunday in Chicago, all the way up to 4. So at this rate, the uh, fans will be wearing Bermuda shorts to the game on Sunday. All right, with that, it's on to the Behind Enemy Lines podcast with Arthur Arkish. And please forgive me, I hit record just a little bit early or a little bit late. So it kind of gets into the small talk in progress. Oh, it's brutal. In fact, that was uh, wide receiver Devontae Adams called it um, in the locker room a little while ago. He said it was brutal. And as you know, I mean, you do, you do anything. It's just absolutely miserable. I, I pumped gas for a minute, and it's like, holy crap. So I assume, I, I guess I shouldn't assume, but uh, did the Packers work indoors then today, I would imagine? Yeah, they worked indoors while we were there, bless their souls. And then when we left, they went outside. They have a Their outdoor practice field is heated they have like about a 40 or 50 yard stretch of it that's heated so they, they can't do a whole lot but it's time to go 11 on 11 they go outside so the fundamental work and that kind of stuff they did inside and then they went out but even even inside they had the doors open so it was it was cold enough yeah all right i wasn't at Hallis today but my understanding is that john fox had the guys outside for at least an hour so uh and my guess is that he had the media outside for the scrum afterwards <laughs> as he typically does because john fox is just so nice to us so merry christmas uh, from john fox eh? it's better than a christmas yeah, card it's, uh, it's always a always a joy working uh, working with him so uh anyway bill let's dive into a little bears packers discussion um i guess probably the place to start at least from uh, a bears wondering about Packers perspective is Aaron Rodgers and the calf and uh, whether you expect that to uh, impair him at all and kind of how he managed you know to overcome that last week and just an absolutely dazzling performance it's a million dollar question um 
you, you know, the, the, the point spread's gone down by a point, so I think, I think the people in Vegas are wondering about that as well. Um, he walked through the locker room today. He, he wasn't limping as much as he was post-game. Obviously, he had the, the calf and the, and the hamstring at Seattle, and it, it didn't slow him down. I mean, it, he, he did his work from inside the pocket rather than outside the pocket, but he was able to move around in the pocket, you know, step up, step to his left, reset his feet. So from that perspective, he was fine. It's just the, you know what, if, if he's getting pressured from the blind side, the, uh, the spinning out of the way and running outside, that, that might be off the table. Right, right. Um, you know, I remember two years ago when he was dealing with uh, what I think an injury to the other calf, where mm-hmm. there was one line of thinking, and it's kind of silly, admittedly, but um, for Rodgers, sometimes he wants to scramble to a fault, it seems. Uh, am I, am I, is this revisionist history? Do I recall some people theorizing that maybe having to stay in the pocket wouldn't be the worst thing ever for him the last time this type of situation uh, came up? Yeah, I think that goes in line with the, the whole season. You know, we had uh, Seattle's Michael Bennett on the conference call last week, and we asked him what he thought the difference was Rodgers from the first chunk of the season to the second chunk. And Bennett's answer was that he thought early in the season Rodgers was looking for big plays all the time. And he said that as the season's progressed, he's, he's kind of cut that out and has just kind of taken what's there. So I think there have been some credence to that earlier in the year, but I, I think he's just kind of settled into, you know, get the ball. It's, it's silly as it seems. There's nothing wrong with throwing the ball three yards. And I, I think at one point, maybe he didn't forget that, but I think maybe he got a bit greedy and kind of, kind of ignored the fact that it's okay to throw the ball three yards and let your guy get three more and get six. And he's kind of gotten to that. So the offense has been a lot more efficient since he's, Kind of taken on um, a smarter way of a smarter, more efficient way of playing football. Yeah. It, Bill, it seems like that started in Week Seven versus the Bears. Exactly the right. Passing game after halftime, right? No doubt about it. That was uh, kind of the I don't want to say a, a turning point game, but but it kind of was. You know, that was the the first game where they stuck Ty Montgomery at running back, and you know he wore the Bears out. He had what sixty yards rushing and caught ten passes. He wore him out. Devontae Adams wore him out. And that was really a big game, and, and that stuck with it. If you look at the, if you look at the stats from the first what six games of the year, or whatever it was, he was middle of the pack in pass rating. He was next to last in yards per attempt, and toward the bottom in completion percentage. He might, actually might have been last in completion percentage. And now you look at the last six games. He's he's number one in pass rating. He's number one in yards. It, it's been a, it's been a it's been the Aaron Rodgers who uh, fans have known and loved. That's for sure. Um, how about the other quarterback perspective? No Jay Cutler, no Hoyer. What's Matt Barkley done? Well, I'll tell you one thing. He's been a lot better than when you know he was thrown into the fire that night at Lambeau. Um, not a, a situation anyone would want to be in, obviously, without any preparation and, and coming in cold off the bench. But um, he's played pretty well. I mean, this is going to be a different type of test, obviously, with uh, not only the elements, but Green Bay's defense playing better and certainly Green Bay in desperation mode. But... Um, you know, a lot of people want to knock Matt Barkley for not having the strongest arm, and, and he doesn't, and, and not, you know, for not being the most athletic guy, and he isn't. But uh, I've been very impressed with how resourceful he's been. I mean, you have to remember there's been no Alshon Jeffrey. Uh, that'll change this week, of course, and, and that'll be a big key to this one is getting Alshon going. Um, but in addition to that, no Kevin White, no Zach Miller, no Eddie Royal. So basically he's been working with a bunch of backups. And uh, if Josh Bellamy or Deontay Thompson catches a football at Soldier Field a couple weeks ago versus the Titans, uh, they win that game. And, and arguably, if Bellamy comes up with a, a play in the middle of the field on the Bears' final drive Sunday at Ford Field, 
they could be three and zero under Barkley as a starter. So uh, I've been really impressed, and I think in particular his willingness to take some chances down the field, even despite his arm limitations um, and despite the receiver limitations, are, are kind of the biggest difference for me. Uh, from what we saw with Brian Hoyer. So, uh, again, it's going to be a different type of test Sunday for sure, but uh, I think Barkley has earned the right to return in 2017 and at least be a part of the quarterback mix, which is uh, obviously totally uncertain with Jay Cutler likely on the way out. I mean, there's something to be said of just not screwing up a game, isn't there? I mean, he's, he, the last two games, no picks. He's been sacked twice in three starts. I mean, there's, there's something to be said of just, you know, get the heck out of the way, right? Yeah, no doubt, and uh, you know his—I I, want to say he had two interceptions in that first game against Tennessee and helped dig the Bears a pretty big hole. I, I, I want to say they were actually both in the red zone, so um, he, he's learned from that, and that's what you look for from a young player. Um, you know, in these kind of trial runs, is you want to see them not make the same mistake twice. So I think you said it. Uh, he has absolutely been careful with the football. That is huge with the Bears' small margin for error. Um, now if they could just find a way to feed Jordan Howard, Bill, I'll tell you what, I think that is the biggest gripe uh, here among Bears fans is, is their offensive coordinator, Dowell Loggins, and his refusal uh, to give the best playmaker on this team the, the, the carries that he deserves. Uh, Jordan Howard had six carries for 39 yards on the first drive in Detroit. Looks like it was going to be another unstoppable day for him, except he only got another seven carries the rest of the afternoon somehow in a one-score game. So... Uh, that didn't make sense, but the last time that Mother Nature intervened, I was saying this on my last podcast, was uh, a couple weeks ago against the Niners with all the snow, and that was when Jordan Howard got 32 carries and three touchdowns. So I do have a feeling that uh, Dow Loggins is going to have no choice but to beat Howard. Uh, what about the Packers' run defense? I know it's not playing at a historic clip like it was early in the season, but um, are they equipped to, to handle Howard? And, and what's going on at linebacker? I know Morgan Burnett spent some time there. Yeah, that, that to me is the number one question in this game. Because I think the Bears got a real good, real shot of winning this. Um, okay. If you look at the last six, you know, going into, into that Chicago game, including that Chicago game, Green Bay's along, I think, 71 yards of carry. It's been 119 the last handful of games. And some of that is because... The secondary was beaten to hell, and they had, and, you know, instead of putting safety Morgan Burnett at the line of scrimmage for the, the extra in the box defender, they had to play him deep and, and to try to cover the, the cornerbacks' butts. Uh, the, the cornerbacks are healthier now. Um, the last time they played a run game, a run-heavy team, was against Houston in, in the snow a couple weeks ago, and the Texans put up some pretty decent numbers, but some of that was a couple Osweiler scrambles and a couple draw plays, and when it was Green Bay against Lamar Miller, I think Miller had like 20 yards and 11 carries. So I don't know. There, there's enough things that make me think that the run defense is fine. And then there's enough things that make me think, man, I mean, how we're going to have a big day. It is, it is the million-dollar question. And I, I don't know. Uh, I have a cop-out answer for it. The, the linebacker core is, is shaky. Um, Jake Ryan is probably their best run stopper. Um, he played eight snaps last week. He's, hey, he's been battling some injuries. and I think some of that might have been coverage really why he didn't play much. But, you know, the other starting linebacker has been Joe Thomas, uh-huh. who's a 225-pound dime linebacker. He's been forced to play, forced to start because of Blake Martinez being out. So uh-huh. they, they have at least one undersized guy there. And, you know, Clay Matthews has a bad shoulder, and he's playing basically passing downs. The other outside linebacker is Julius Peppers, and as all Bears fans know him very well, he's not being paid to play run defense. <laughs> and, and their best their, their, their best run stopping outside linebacker has been Nick Perry for years, and he's got a broken hand. He's not going to play. So the linebackers have some limitations. I, I think that gives the Bears a real opening. Speaking of linebacker limitations, Bill, um, how we know 
Yeah, I should say we we saw what Aaron Rodgers was unable to do from outside the pocket last week because of the calf. Um, Clay Matthews has he been moved to the other side, no longer playing the rush linebacker spot because of that left shoulder injury, and uh, what does that mean for his output as he's battling through this? Yeah, he he has, he has switched sides and he just did take some of the uh, the stress off the one shoulder. But you know, last week against Seattle, he was basically a pass rush a, a pass rush special pass rush specialist easy for me to say <laughs> tongue twister yeah. exactly and you know just judging by practice today um it might be kind of the same story he says he's doing better but ultimately he's got a ac joint problem and it's just not gonna get better until years over until he can actually rest it so clay matthews is a part-time player and he's been he's been a menace against the bears for sure Interesting. Um, so it's, so it's on, I'm sorry, Bill, just uh, to follow up on that quickly. So rather than, uh, you know, seeing whoever the Bears would have on the left side, whether it's Charles Leno for the past couple of years or, um, you know, Jermon Bushrod before that, it sounds like Bobby Massey, the Bears' right tackle, it's going to fall mostly on him uh, to go up against Clay, and you said mostly in passing downs. Yeah, in, unless unless they're hiding some stuff from it. But, you know, Dayton Jones and Peppers are their best guys. Um, it's uh, it's not, not ideal. How, how, about, how about what you guys are doing with the Bears? Um, you guys bought two really good inside linebackers, and you don't have any of them right now without Trevathan and and uh, Freeman. Yeah, you know it's been uh, it's been tough. Obviously, I, I've I've been saying since August that I thought you could make an argument that the Bears had the most improved position group in the entire NFL when they brought in Jarrell Freeman mm-hmm. and Danny Trevathan uh, to replace Christian Jones and Shea McClellan, and they both played really well. But as you said, Trevathan suffered the serious knee injury, and Freeman doubt, now out for uh, the suspension. Uh, with, uh, excuse me, for steroids, performance-enhancing drugs. He'll be out another week. Um, so it's fallen on Nick Kwiatkowski, who is their fourth rounder um, out of, uh, where is he from? West Virginia. West Virginia. Do I have that right? Yep. Yep, and he has been really good, actually. I have to say, the Bears don't have a lot of good problems to have on their hands, but uh, extremely impressed with what Nick Kwiatkowski has done. He is uh He's got some Chris Borland to him, actually, the guy that, you know, Vic Fangio looked like he was going to turn into a star before his early retirement, and obviously Fangio's uh, track record with linebackers is long and, and impressive, um, and he looks like he could, it's not fair, of course, yet to compare these guys in the same sentence, and I just did it, obviously, but more than anything, it's uh, it's his relentlessness, it's, it's his ability to be a tone setter. I mean, he had a couple collisions last week. One was Zach Zenner that just made the whole stadium shake. It was pretty impressive, and uh, he's getting behind the line of scrimmage and making plays. He's actually held his own in coverage, so uh, I've been impressed with what I've seen from him for sure. The other guy is John Timu. You guys saw a little bit of him last year, uh, former undrafted, and, uh, you know, he's good. He's a try-hard guy who's probably better going uh, north and south and trying to get sideline to sideline, so um, that could probably be tricky with the way that this Packers offense is currently configured because, as we discussed, I know they're trying to get the ball out quick, and in a lot of ways it's sort of an extension of their run game when the run game isn't popping or when they're not even trying to make it pop. Um, but, Bill, did something change last week? Did, did I know Ty Montgomery found the end zone for the first time. Um, he also seemed to get a little bit longer run, I think. Do you think there could be getting, you know, Factoring in the weather as well, and with Montgomery coming off the strong performance, could we see a slight uh, adjustment here? I think so. The question with Montgomery, I mean, Montgomery's clearly their best guy. I mean, the other guy is uh, Kristen Michael, who they just picked up from the Seahawks here a couple weeks ago, and you know, he's run the ball okay. He also went the wrong way in a handoff, and Rodgers, with two bad legs, had to take a dive, which obviously isn't ideal. Right. Um, the other guy is James Stokes, who's averaging about two feet per carry and has a concussion. <laughs> um, so it, it really, I mean, is, is kind of the state, the state of the state here is 
a former wide receiver is their number one running back. And Montgomery's been really good. He's averaging about five yards a carry. With that said, he is still a former wide receiver. And you know how it is. Wide receivers train to be wide receivers. They don't train to be running backs. And, you know, maybe next year, Ty Montgomery's ready to be a 15 carries a game running back. But at this point in his career, just because of how he's trained for all these years, I just don't know if he's up to the task of being, you know, the quote-unquote bell cow kind of running back. Um, and certainly you would like to have one in, in a bad weather game when you don't know the effectiveness of the passing game, you don't know if the, the quarterback can move, you don't know if the receivers can catch. But he's been really good. Um, you do enough drafts. So you, you probably talked to some guys, too, who thought coming out of Stanford that he might be a better running back prospect than a receiver prospect. I, mean, I, I certainly heard that. Yep. Um, for, for, it's the body, the body type, Bill. It is. He's kind of a, yeah, a little atypical for uh, for the receiver position, a little bit bigger, and uh, seems like he can fit that mold. So yeah, I mean, he, I know he's he, not Eddie Lacy power runner, but it does seem like in a short sample size, uh, have to be impressed with what he's accomplished. Yeah, he. I mean, he he is he, against uh, against Seattle. He stiff armed the linebacker the ground against Houston too. Against Bernard Jerk McKinney, a two hundred and sixty pound linebacker, he stiff armed him to the ground. And when he gets in the open field, he's obviously got the speed. So he, he in, you know, like all good running backs do, if the play is blocked for two, he gets four. If the play is blocked for three, he finds a way to get five or six. So he, he, he's, been, he's been able to manufacture some yardage as well, kind of, kind of like what Howard's done. Um, my question is, with Chicago's pass defense, the numbers are pretty darn good. What are they doing so well? Because you, you look at the, the, the names on, on the depth chart, you say, well, I don't know who any of these guys are. Yeah, I mean it's uh, that, and that's certainly in part the Vic Fangio effect, and it's the second year in a row uh, in a row that he has done that, and a lot of credit goes to him. And at the same time, I think that this pass rush has really come on. Leonard Floyd has uh, uh, become a force in a short amount of time. I'd be curious to know how good he would be right now had he not missed so much of the off season and the few games with that scary neck injury, and he was dealing with some soft tissue stuff earlier in the year. So uh, I think he's been a big part of it too. Um, Cravon LeBlanc, who I don't know if you'll remember, he did break up a couple touchdowns against Randall Cobb in the end zone in the first meeting, and uh, he's an undrafted guy that the Bears claimed off waivers from the Patriots, and normally when I hear that, I, I, it, it's cause for trepidation because you don't normally get a lot, of, a lot of, you know, pull a lot of fast ones on Bill Belichick, but I'll tell you <laughs> what, this LeBlanc, uh, he looks like a player. I mean, he's taken over a starter's role on the outside, and uh, I've been really impressed with what he's done, so I'm excited to see how he can follow that up. Tracy Porter has been excellent. I know Aaron Rodgers uh, um, kind of by not looking Jordy Nelson and Tracy Porter's direction in, in the first meeting sort of uh, without saying it kind of showed what he thought of Porter, and, and I think he's played really well. So, um, you know, I think that the the sum is probably greater than the parts that gets it there, that gets it there but the big concern is at the safety position. Um, in that you could say that for the past 10 years plus <laughs> in Chicago, it's something that needs to be solved. I can assure you that uh, if Phil Emery had it to do over again, if there was a redraft held today and he had an opportunity to take HaHa Clinton Dix instead of Kyle Fuller, I'm pretty sure he'd be running that card up to the podium. But um, nonetheless, the safeties are coming off a really tough game. Vic Fangio said that they just flat out weren't good enough last week. And I think that's a pretty big time concern. I know Devontae Adams has gotten some big plays going. Uh, down the field, and if the weather allows, I mean, I know that Aaron Rodgers has noticed on film this week uh, that the Bears' safeties are kind of reeling a little bit, so I think that's another key matchup to watch in this one. Um, uh, 
and, and should be really interesting. Again, it's all kind of pending on the weather and what that allows. So, uh, Bill, just quickly, I want to get back to the running back position. Yeah. And this isn't so much about Sunday, but I am curious uh, after the season. I, I just saw the quote, so maybe you were probably in on the interview. Uh, Eddie Lacy was asked about Ty Montgomery. He was also asked about his future in Green Bay. Um, what are your thoughts? Uh, has Lacy proven to be dependable enough that he's a guy who's going to earn a second contract to stick around? Yeah, my, my guess it'll be kind of a one-year kind of deal if they can get it. It'll be interesting to see how he's seen around the league. I mean, obviously he had the weight issues last year, and if I'm a GM, which I'm not, but if I was, I would say, boy, if this guy's playing for a contract and he, let, and he, lets, him give him, and he lets himself get that out of shape, right. how much money do I want to spend on the guy? Now, right. that said, even at his weight last year, he was pretty darn effective. I mean, defenses schemed to take him away rather than Rodgers because of the Nelson thing. They... they Scheme to take away Lacey, and you know, he came back this year in better shape. I wouldn't say great shape, but in better shape, and he was he was phenomenal. I mean, breaking tackles, running running past people. He's always been a, an asset in the passing game. I mean, he's a he's a three down kind of guy. And you know, the Packers have a lot of holes. I mean, you, know, you look at linebacker; they, they might need a guard, they need corners, they need pass rushers. If you can lock up a running back and take that off the to do list, I, I think that'd be a big thing. So I, I think is. Assuming that he's not seen as this hot commodity in free agency, I would think Green Bay can get him back for, for another year and say, all right, Eddie, get yourself in shape. Let's see how you do, and we'll go from there. But I, I certainly wouldn't invest any money into him just based on, just based on what happened in 2015. Sure, sure. Um, Bill, I got one more. I got a couple more for you just quickly. Uh, I know we don't have a ton of time left, but I am also curious if you could just tell my listeners about Dean Lowry. Um, I know he's come on strong and mm-hmm. uh, obviously a product of Northwestern and, and Rockford initially, and um, uh, we root for the hometown guys. So what has allowed him to have some success? It's, I know they don't play the same position, but uh, I haven't heard Kenny Clark's name a whole lot, and I am hearing Dean Lowry's a bunch lately. Yeah, I think you'll see Clark a lot in this game. Um, I think it'll be a base defense kind of game rather than nickel like they play all the time, but to Lowry, he's everything that you guys saw in Northwestern. He's just a good football player, and the only reason why he's sunk into the fourth round is because of the whole arm length issues, which seems, which um, part of me understands, but part of me says, "By God, just watch the guy play." I mean, he's he's athletic, you know, he's smart, he you know he doesn't put himself out of position, he's strong as an ox, and he's just gotten better and better and better. And with Mike Pinnell's suspension, um. It's it's Lowry now. Lowry's now the the next guy up on the D line. He's he's everything they thought they'd be, and he's playing more and more. I think he's going to be a real a real solution going forward. Is 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 a kind of a building block sort of guy for sure. Well, those are nice to find, obviously in the fourth round. And again, we'll be uh, kind of cheering him on. Uh, there's no cheering in the press box, of course. That's and, right. Uh, Bill, last one I have for you. And if you have anything else for me, great. If not, we'll wrap up afterwards. But uh, I am just curious about uh, Josh Sitton's replacement and. Uh, what you've seen of Lane Taylor and what kind I know the offensive line has been great overall and it got T.J. Lang back last week but um, you know sit and miss the first game and it'll be interesting to see those guys go uh, you know battle this weekend but what do you think about uh, life after sitting and how that's treated the Packers O-line and what Taylor's done specifically it's been unbelievably good um, yeah. no one is saying Lane Taylor is Josh Sitton but no one has talked about Lane Taylor and as you know if you're not talking about your O-line that means good things in, in Based on the amount of money that they saved, I would take Lane Taylor and his play at his contract over Josh Sitton and his play in his contract. I mean, again, I'm not saying Taylor's better than Sitton. He's not. Yeah. But, he, but he's, he's, been, he's been fantastic. He, he is definitely part of the answer here. Um, while we're talking about Sitton, how's Josh Sitton? I know he's been battling some ankle problems. 
Yep, he was uh, very good before the ankle and, and was able to get back in the lineup last week and uh, didn't really seem to, to skip a whole lot of a beat. I, I thought he played well. I'm obviously not an O-line expert, but uh, I know that his teammates rave about him, and I know that his presence next to Cody Whitehair has been invaluable, particularly after losing Kyle Long, although I guess uh, Sitton's injury popped up right around the same time as Long. So uh, bottom line is he is back in, in the lineup and uh, is playing well. I'm sure he is anxious to, to get out there and see his former team. Um, they've been pretty decent in the middle. I guess the, the matchup that concerns me more on the left side, I, and you correct me if I'm wrong, but I think Mike Daniels typically will be lined up over the right guard, which in this case would be Ted Larson. Um, I think that could be problematic. Obviously, Larson is a backup behind Long for a reason. Um, so that's what I'd be a little bit more concerned about if I were Dal Loggins and John Fox. And then uh, certainly on the edges, I think Bobby Massey even versus a limited Clay Matthews. And then uh, the way that Dayton Jones came on last week and, and the way that Julius Peppers is always a threat um, against Charles Leno, who just committed a, an absolutely horrible holding call on the Bears' last drive a week ago. Uh, that really sunk them, and uh, he's been not really as steady as I think you'd be looking for on the blind side. Well, you hit on, you mentioned that Elshon Jeffrey will be back. Obviously, that's a, a key addition for, for you guys, but you also hit on, you know, Kevin White, the tight end, is about who in the heck is catching passes? What's what's the state of that passing game? Because it's a bunch, again, outside of Jeffrey, you never, I've never heard of any of them, hardly. Yeah, yeah, you could just uh, as easily say who in the heck is dropping passes, but... Uh, <laughs> No, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's easy to make jokes, and it's been a punchline around here for a few weeks. As I mentioned, uh, there, there really were a couple goats in that Tennessee game that cost the Bears a ball game with uh, two drop touchdowns uh, in the final four plays with a chance to win it. So um, the guy that I think is probably worth discussing maybe even beyond this season when the Bears are healthy again at the pass catcher spot uh, is Cameron Meredith. I think we talked about him a little bit on the first podcast, but uh, uh, Illinois State, um, second year mm-hmm. undrafted, former court college quarterback actually and uh he's played pretty well he's committed his drops too but he has that kind of size that the bears look for at the position and um he's a guy that i think could stick around maybe as a potentially as a solid number two it's hard to know where to slot him just because there's so much uncertainty with alshon in a contract here and uh kevin white just always hurt you don't know what you're going to get out of him so um yeah cam meredith has been uh pretty solid and, and he's someone that they'll have to deal with uh, that being Demarius Randall and Ladarius Gunter, Quentin Rollins, the rest of those guys Sunday. Um, but whether it's Josh Bellamy, who really should be playing special teams, which he's very good at, but he's just he's been too inconsistent as a catcher. Um, or Deontay Thompson, who's more fit to be a returner. Uh, Daniel Braverman, a seventh-round rookie out of Western Michigan, who just recently got called up from the practice squad, working in the slot a little bit. Um, those guys will all get their run Sunday, I'm sure, but it's all going to be about the return of Alshon, and uh, I'm excited to kind of see how that one shapes up and and see if Alshon is, in fact, in shape after being away for a while. So um, that'll be fun. And, again, it's all all pending the weather because these guys could end up just running a ton, too. It's really tough to say. Um, And I'll throw it back to you just quickly with the pass catchers. And, and Bill, again, I know we're running out of time here, but uh, uh, just tell our listeners – how good Devontae Adams has been year one to year two, and if he has sort of supplanted Randall Cobb, is Jordy Nelson's kind of 1B in that offense? Yeah, Adams has been really good. He's everything they thought they were going to get last year when, right. when, when Rodgers proclaimed him the offseason MVP. Actually, it's McCarthy who did that, and, and Rodgers talked oh, to him. Oh, year, year three for Adams. Yeah, Excuse well, me, you, you, yep. you, you want to ignore year two like it didn't happen. Um, <laughs> you know what? It's, ama- it's amazing what being healthy does. You know what? It's hard to play receiver if you got a bad ankle, and he had a bad ankle, and he couldn't cut, and he couldn't explode. 
And, you know, I think, I think that just weighed on him and his confidence kind of crumbled a bit. And he's and now that he's healthy, he's getting better and better every week. And the quarterback's rapport with him has gotten better and better every week. And, you know, Rodgers, I mean, there is no such thing as a number one receiver here. It's, you know, whoever's open gets the ball. But you know what? He's earned more and more opportunities, and he is the deep threat. He's becoming more of a red zone kind of threat. He will run through tackles. He, he, and he's really their, their lone big play threat down the field. He's, he's been absolutely terrific this year. Um, Arthur, we do have to wrap this up because we do have our coaches to talk to. Who's going to win? What do you got? Yeah, Bill, I suspect it's uh, – I think it'll be close. That's what I credit John Fox for the most is that uh, they've been in all of these games, but obviously they've been on the losing end of, of 10 of them, most of them competitive, and I expect it'll be close again. I expect Jordan Howard will be very active and productive, but at the end of the day, I'm sure Aaron Rodgers is going to make one or two special plays that will uh, be the difference in this one. Uh, probably low scoring. I would imagine somewhere in the 20 to 17 range, something along those lines. Uh, do you see it similarly or differently? Well, I definitely see the low scoring. You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna pick the Bears to win because wow. when when it's cold and it's crappy weather, what do you want to do? You want to run the ball, and I would take Jordan Howard over Ty Montgomery. And I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go I'm gonna go Bears 17-14. Man, you heard it there. All right, that's. Uh, but I'm seven and six on my picks. So what what the hell do I know? So I put an asterisk on that. <laughs> All right, Bill. Well, it's been a pleasure. I'll let you run to go interview those coaches, and uh, we'll look forward to seeing you Sunday at Soldier Field. Thanks for doing this. A lot of fun. Yeah, you too. Thanks, Arthur. Take care. All right, I hope you enjoyed the insight there with Arthur Arkish. And with that, I will wish you a happy weekend. Stay warm. Enjoy the game. And I'll talk to you on Sunday night. Is democracy in danger or decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org slash catalyst.